Hey, good morning, y'all. I'm Matt, uh, the pastor here at Midtown West, and glad you're here with us. We are in week two of a little three-week vision series in January, and um, to kick us off, I want to ask y'all, um, how many of y'all are familiar with the uh, the TikTok, uh, the TikTok that all the kids are into? <laughs> no, the uh, the TikTok trend. Um, I think it's called Christmas Hall 2022. You know what I'm talking about? Nobody. Okay, that actually makes me feel better about you guys. I think we're in a better place than I thought we were. Um, I was I, I was reading something and they they referenced this and so I went and looked up a few of these videos, but it was just really mind-numbing. But it was also concerning <laughs> and interesting. Uh, it's like these high school girls, at least all the ones that I saw, and. They're like, it's called My Christmas Hall, like H-A-U-L, like, and they're just showing you all the things that they got for Christmas. And what I loved about it was, you know, it's like they're, you know, dressed to the nines, and they're like, hey, y'all, just like here with my Christmas Hall, and like just wanted to show y'all, and they're like walking through everything, and they're like, first, my parents got me this. But the best part for me was the ones who tried to save a little face at the front end, and they were like, hey, y'all, just here with my Christmas haul, and like, just first I want to say I'm like so blessed, um, and so grateful for everything, and here's my Gucci purse, and here's my, you know, and they like literally walk through everything that they got, and I was sitting there feeling so self-righteous, um, and then I thought, you know, like, I do that, we do that, we're just a little more sophisticated, hopefully, most of us than that. But it's just like the way that we've, we've found this language to talk about things, to like make it sound acceptable. And we've hidden the fact that a lot of times when we interact with each other, there's just this competition. And, and maybe friends and peer groups are this like proving ground for like where do I rank and how successful am I and am I winning? And uh, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about today. So this is, this is a, a vision series for us, and Midtown West, we have a vision statement that kind of guides everything that we do, and our vision statement is that uh, we are on adventure with Jesus uh, to be set free, to set others free, and to enjoy that freedom together. And um, it, it's a beautiful statement that's true about what it is to follow Jesus as a body of Christ in the gospel uh, and as we are being set free, there are, there are things that are true about our lives. There are things that are true about the culture that we live in uh, that we can be asleep to. And, and so this series is called Wide Awake, and it's this idea of, like, we, we need to be wide awake to the things that are keeping us from freedom. Uh, Romans 13, 11, uh, Paul says, The time has come for you to wake from sleep because salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. It's this idea that um, we can kind of fall asleep in this life, in this culture that we find ourselves in, and we can start to believe things that aren't true about where to find life and who we are and who God is and, and what the world has to offer and how satisfying that is. And so last week we talked about being wide awake to our masters, and uh, I'm not going to rehash it, but basically um, we are all serving someone. Someone is our master, whether that's us or someone else, and uh, the reality is Jesus has to be our master for us to actually taste freedom and life because we can't lead ourselves there. And today we're talking about uh, being wide awake to our treasure. 
and this is very closely connected to our master because when wealth, when material wealth is my treasure, uh, the reason it's so just intoxicating is because uh, it, it makes it easier for me to believe the lie that I can actually be my own master, that I can be my own God. Because when I have a lot of wealth, then the possibilities feel endless. I can take care of myself. I can give myself everything I need. I can bolster my bank account so that I can have security. And it feels like, it's not true, but it feels like I can protect myself against all bad things and I can provide myself all good things. And so, as you might imagine, Jesus has something to say to us about that and to kind of wake us up to reality that's not that. Um, so who's reading our scripture this morning? Lucas, come on up, man. Guys, Lucas Asbury. I'm trying to start a slow clap for you. Luke 12, 13 through 22 and 31 through 34. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought, and he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Instead, sink his, instead seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we are in your presence this morning because you've called us here. And however we come in, whether we are sad, we are angry, we are delighted, we are tired, we are energized, Lord, we are all coming in needing you. And we need you to open our eyes and not just open our eyes. We need you to change our hearts. We need you to change our minds. We need you to show us who you are and remind us who you are afresh. Remind us who we are, the good and the bad and how deeply we need you. And uh, remind us that you offer us life and you are so kind to us. And you are always inviting us to come to you empty handed just with our need so that you can fill us. You can fill our, our lives with with just deep riches of your love. And so, Lord, would you come and awaken our souls, do what we can't do, and change us and make us more like you, Jesus, to set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this passage, uh, I love how this starts because if you read before 
this first verse that we read, um, Jesus is teaching these crowds, and he's talking about something really deep and something really important, and all of a sudden this dude just comes forward and says, uh, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Like, it has nothing to do with what Jesus is talking about. So this guy is not paying any attention at all. It reminded me this week, I was in a store and I was waiting in line at checkout and there was an older lady in front of me who was uh, just sort of feeling herself and acting like she was the only person alive and that everybody wanted to hear what she had to say. And so she was just going deep uh, on some, some rant with the lady behind the counter. And then she turned to me who hadn't said anything the whole time. And she started literally pecking on my arm, like making her point. And did you know blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wow. And, and she just like <laughs> kept going for like two minutes. I'm like, I, I don't want to know any of this. I like, I'm not here with you. Like I'm a stranger to you and you have like, we're just all living in your world. And that's what's going on with this guy right here. Jesus. I mean, imagine that like Jesus is this respected teacher and this guy just blurts out, um, Hey, I need you to settle this family dispute for me, uh, in my favor. And so, um, Jesus is talking, but this man is not listening. Um, and Jesus did him the favor of not answering him. And so just stop here. Uh, maybe sometimes when you and I pray for things and we feel like God is not answering us, maybe it's because he's not. Maybe it's because uh, a lot of my prayers are asking for things that are actually leading me away from life. And maybe I'm not listening to Jesus at all, and I'm frustrated because he's not listening to me. And maybe he's not answering me so that I can get to this point of realization that, oh, maybe I should just be quiet and listen to him. Because what Jesus is saying to this man in his silence and what he's saying to us sometimes in his silence is, I didn't come into your prison cell to give you a higher thread count on your sheets. I came to break you out of your prison. So no, I'm not going to help you with these things that just drive you deeper into this search for life, into these dead, dead ends. So Jesus, what, what this man is displaying is symptoms of a condition. And in all of the watching crowd, Jesus takes the opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to diagnose this condition because he's not the only one who suffers from this condition. And so what Jesus says next is to everyone, kind of like, hey, look at this guy and listen to what he's saying. And now listen to this. You need to be vigilantly on your guard. You need to be vigilantly on your guard against what? against covetousness. Okay, what is covetousness? Covetousness is this condition of the heart where I'm always desiring more. And more specifically, it's this condition of the heart where I am always desiring just a little bit more than you. And so he is telling this crowd back in the day Look, you've got to be on guard at all times from all directions against all covetousness because it, because it just seeps. It, it gets in and it, it will kill you. It will kill your soul. It will keep you from life. It, will, it is so seductive because it feels like life. 
That's why you want to do it. It feels like it is leading you to life and enabling life, and it's actually keeping you from life. And so if he is saying this to this crowd back in the day during the time that he walked the earth, we need to realize that like this week I was listening to something about uh, the fallout from Chernobyl, the, the nuclear event. And for years after that, it was just like everything was so contaminated. The water, the air, and all of these children were born with these terrible birth defects. And it's this, this invisible radiation that is just m manipulating and marring and ruining uh, life. And so what Jesus is saying to us is, this covetousness, like wake up to where you live now in America in 2023, like your whole society is built on marketing and consumerism and comparison and worrying about what everyone else has. Like if he was saying this to the crowd back then, he is screaming this to us today. Like we need to wake up to where we find ourselves and to know that this silent killer is manipulating and deforming our souls. And he says, you believe that you will find life in the abundance of wealth? You will not find life in the abundance of wealth. That's what he's saying when he says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You, I'm telling you this because I know you believe that your life does consist in the abundance of possessions. If you have more than enough, if you have enough to feel safe, if you have enough to cover all of your bases, all of your expenses, put some away for this, put some away for that, save for this other thing, and then have a little more on top of that, then that's when you can take a deep breath and live life and feel okay. And he's saying, listen, I know you think your life consists in an abundance of wealth, and I'm telling you, your life will not be found in an abundance of wealth. And really, we could stop the sermon right there, but I like to hear myself talk, so we're going to keep going. <laughs> life is somewhere else, and the pursuit of wealth is a seductress that keeps you preoccupied while your soul starves to death. This is what Paul is saying in 1 Timothy 6, when he says, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many different senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The love of money is the root of all different kinds of evils, including leading you away from life in Jesus. Here's what happens with this, this seductress of covetousness, of wanting to have just like a little bit more all the time, a little bit more, and how this works. I was having uh, coffee with a friend this week, and he was telling me about uh, a friend of his who had a banner year, like made millions this year. And he, he just referenced as he was talking about his friend, yeah, you know, he's probably got three or four years left uh, until he's going to retire and either like really slow down the amount of hours that he's working or just do something totally different. And I said, okay, you may be in this category too. So for your friend, for you, uh, what is, how do you arrive at that magic number of when I hit that number, 
that's when everything's going to change. I'm going to switch careers. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to stop working, all that. Um, how do you get there? And he said, well, bef before we even talk about that, let's just say that that number just is always changing. And I said, why is that? And he said, because you put a number out there and then you get to the place where you hit that number and you realize that all of your friends have hit that number too and they're still working. And so that number actually doubles or triples. And it keeps doing that as long as your peer group continues to make money. So that number, that magic number, is, is not actually concerned with being okay. It's, it's about being more okay than you so that I can feel better about myself. And so Jesus is telling the crowd, listen, it will behoove you to listen to me. And, and you have to guard yourself against this. And then he says, let me tell you a little story to illustrate my point. There is a man who gets it all. There is a man who gets everything that you are working toward. Whatever your magic number is, triple it, quadruple it, and this man has achieved it. He talks about this man whose who's crops came in, and they were, he was so fruitful that all of his barns couldn't even hold all of his crops. And so he starts to talk to himself. And he asks himself this question, um, what shall I do for I don't have anywhere to store my crops? And what he's asking is, what, what do I do with an abundance of wealth? What is wealth for? And the, and the man in the story, his conclusion is that life is actually found in having more wealth, that there's a one-to-one -one ratio. And so when I am the recipient of a bumper year of crops, then I'm going to have more life because there's more wealth. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tear down my old barns and build new, bigger barns to keep more wealth as I continue to find more and more life in my wealth. I'm going to make more room to level up. New barns, new house, new car, new neighborhood, new vacation, new wardrobe. Does that thought process feel familiar to anybody? But that's really how we think about wealth, is I'm in this category right now. And it's okay, but that's not where life is. Life is in the category above me. And all, all of, when I get to this certain place, then I will trade neighborhoods, I will trade car models, I will trade the stores that, where I shop, and I'll be in this new level, and then I'll be really happy. And that's where everything's going to turn over for me. And you see how seductive it is, right? That I really believe that. I really believe that I, if I could just level up one more time, that is where everything's going to be okay. And so wealth helps me believe the lie that I'm my own master. This connects back to what we were talking about last week. 
And listen to this man's language in the story that Jesus tells. It's full of I will, I will, I will, my, my, my. He is believing this lie, whether he may, he may not articulate that. Like if you asked him directly, do you really think you're your own God or your own master? He would probably say no, but that's not how he's living. Everything is me. All of this belongs to me. It's mine. It's my life. It's my possessions. It's my decision. I am the master of my own fate and I will make these decisions and I will decide what my life looks like. And I will, I will, I will, my, my, my. And he says to his soul, he's talking to himself. And here's what he says to himself. And it would do us good to pay attention to how we talk to ourselves. What he says to himself is, you're okay now. Because life is found in the abundance of wealth and you have made it. And so now you're okay and now you have life. And you can enjoy life. But then, man, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And then the very next verse, but God said to him, hey, this wake-up call, you are not God. You are not your own master. You are not the being in the universe that you have to answer to. You do not belong to yourself. And that is radical. It was probably radical in that time. It's more radical in our time. To be able to look at somebody and say, you do not belong to yourself. But God said to him, this, you know, the illusion of being our own master is shattered when we face our own mortality. You know, when we're young and beautiful and successful, it's easier to believe that we are really the, the masters of our own fate. But when we get diagnosed with a disease or when we start aging or things start to fall apart, then there's this like little pang this little fear, this little anxiety of, wait. And all these questions start swirling and we try to push them down. But God's saying, don't do that. Those little fears that are swirling, those are actually a gift to get you in touch with reality, to get you in touch with me. So don't push those things down. Don't try to hide those things. Bring them to the surface. Let them do their good work. And what God says to this man is, fool, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. That word required means to be asked back. Even our soul does not belong to us. That there is a God who created the world and he created us. He formed me, he formed you. We are his creation for his purposes. And this man in this story is getting in touch with this reality in a very painful way of your, your soul is required of you. So all the things you've counseled yourself, when you've said, soul, do this, you're going to be fine. It's all meaningless because that's not reality. 
reality is your soul is required of you tonight. Reality is no matter how much you store away, you cannot guarantee the next day of your life. Reality is that no matter how much you store away, you can't guarantee that it's going to stay there. You are chasing things that are not life. Again, Jesus' words echoing back, you think you will find life in the abundance of wealth, and you will not find life in the abundance of wealth. I mean, that's the story of the gospel right here in this little parable is you and I are not our own. We are answerable to the God who created us, who gave us life and who gave us life for his purposes. And we have decided, no, I know how I want to live life and I want to do that apart from you. And we are answerable to him for that. Our, our lives will be called to account when we leave this earth, whenever that is. But listen to this. The last verse of his, his little parable here, verse 21. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Implied here is this invitation. Come and be rich toward God. Come and know God. Come and have life in him. Come and let him lead you to life, as was the original design when he created this whole world and everyone who fills it. Come have relationship with him. Come to the one who is life. Come to the one who is eternal life. Come to the one who is beauty and goodness and wisdom and joy and peace and find life in him. It's this open invitation. If you would just turn and come and seek me, I will be found. So Jesus tells this story um, to everyone. And, and, and it's really the and is important here. Everyone is a fool who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It's not that there's an amount of wealth that makes us holy or unholy. It means seeking Jesus, not seeking wealth. It means listening to Jesus, not listening to wealth. It means delighting in God, not delighting in your wealth. You can be rich and be rich toward God, but you can't serve two masters. That's what we're talking about here. Again, going back to that passage in 1 Timothy 6, Paul says, charge those who are wealthy not to be arrogant. So there are going to be wealthy people who are following Jesus. And he says, just tell them not to be arrogant and not set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. There to do good and be rich in good works and be generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves real treasure so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So Jesus has just diagnosed this issue that is prevalent to all of us. And then he turns to his disciples and he turns now to us who are his. And he says this to all those who belong to him. Hey, fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I mean, you can imagine at the end of this story, you'd be saying, yeah, but, 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 like, what about this? What about that? How do I make sure I cover this? How do I make sure that I'm okay here? How do my needs get met? We, we live in bodies in this world. We need certain things. How do we know that we're going to be okay? And Jesus says, don't fear, little flock. It's this, this term of endearment. Like, you belong, you have a father. It is your father's good pleasure. It is his joy to give you not only everything you need here, but to give you the kingdom, to give you 
life, real life in your souls to, to give you something more lasting than what is here on this earth. He has given us all of himself to make us yours. How will he not also graciously give us all things? And so when you and I are seeking an abundance of wealth more than we are seeking Jesus, that reveals that there's, I'm not believing something that's true about him. I, it, it's that I don't believe God about where life is to be found, or I don't believe him that he really loves me and is going to take care of me, or I don't believe him that he actually has the ability to take care of me. But he's saying, no, 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 I, I do love you. I will take care of you. And if you will come to me and let me be your master, if you will pursue me more than your wealth, I will lead you to life. So what about money? What does he say after that? How, how do we, you know, the question that the man asks, what is wealth for? What do we do with it? Jesus says, just freely give it away. Be ready to part with it. See it for what it is. It's a weapon against the darkness. It's a means of love. It's a tool as we follow Christ in this world, in the work that he's doing in us and in the world. So yeah, give to those in need. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to part with it. And here's a, here's a little litmus test for us um, when it comes to giving. When God calls us to give in the ways that he does, so he calls us to give to whatever church we're a part of, his body, to, to pour into the body, to, to nourish the body, but also to enable the mission of God in the world. When he calls us to do that, and we say, I can't. Why do we say, I can't? Like, what, what's happening in there? Or when we see, as it says in Scripture, like, hey, when you see a brother or sister in need, and you have the ability to meet that need, give to them. And we say, I just can't. Let's just go and, and take that to him and ask him to bring healing to us and bring life to us. Um, an exercise that I want to encourage us to do this week is, um, this is fun. Uh, go to an ATM, withdraw some cash, uh, withdraw an amount that feels a little bit uncomfortable, but doable, um, and keep it with you as you go through this week and, and ask the Lord, hey, will you show me who to give this to and see what he does. Um, you can give it anonymously. You can give it to a stranger. You can give it to somebody that you know. You can give it to somebody in this room. But it's that practice of when I, am, when I freely part with this thing that I think gives me life and control, it's, it's me saying, no, 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 I, I want to believe that you really are Lord. Like you, Father, are taking care of me. It's your good pleasure to give me the kingdom and you will give me everything I need. So I can actually, I'm free to meet the needs of others and to love other people with these resources that you've given me. So as he ends this passage, he says, your, your heart can only be with one treasure and you just need to choose wisely. And so when we see in our hearts and in our, in our lives places where we are, we're not willing to part with wealth, we're seeking wealth more than we're seeking him, um, we can't change our hearts, but we can take this stuff to him and ask him to do what we can't do, and he will. He will continue to give us life in him. Father, um, 
Lord, this is a, this is just a deep need that we have of you. Um, our hearts are so prone, our minds are so prone to believing that life is found in the abundance of wealth. And so would you help us to, to see the truth and to believe you that it's not? Would you um, let us not be afraid of wealth, not be afraid of having too much or too little, but Lord, would you free us up? Would you set our hearts on fire with love for you and for your people and for those who don't know you and that we would use the wealth that you have entrusted to us as a tool uh, to bring your kingdom, Lord, to, to share your love and to be loved by you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... Um, Something we're going to do today, you know, we always, we always announce Thursday prayer. And, um, and so instead of announcing it, we're just going to model it today. Um, so if you haven't been a part of Thursday prayer, uh, this, what we're about to do, is, is what we do in Thursday prayer. So 